This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. From our virtual studios in the Netherlands. And of course, Camarillo, California. And other places from around the world, we bring you once again the absolute podcast that is called The Marketing Geeks. The international sensation where we are bringing people from all over the globe onto this show because we are breaking out of the United States. We're breaking out of the Netherlands. We are fully worldwide. The number one podcast in the world that includes a sex robot report. And uh, this is not fake news that we are bringing to you. We are bringing to you real, honest-to-goodness, deep reporting on the internets of things about marketing. That's right. Because we've got all the words. This is my truth. We speak my truth. Whether or not it's the truth, that doesn't matter. And we have an amazing guest here uh, on this particular show. So you arrived at the most amazing moment in time in the human history of the Marketing Geeks radio show on the internet. Yes, that's right. It's time once again for the Marketing Geeks. Hello, everybody. Boy, we have... When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. We have quite a show. I got, I got a, 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 a we got a guest here. Uh, no way. Who is, uh, yes, he, he actually reached out to us uh, and uh, we talked briefly. He seems like an amazing cat. Uh, and uh, uh, I feel like we clicked right away. Maybe he doesn't feel that way, but I feel like we, we clicked right away. Uh, this is uh, Cahill Pule. And uh, did, I, I said that right, right? You did say it right. Absolutely. Oh, uh, uh, Cahill is a uh, um, he's he's pretty amazing because he's a founder and CEO of the Bike Media Group, uh, which uh, started off as a branding agency, uh, got into digital marketing, and now is doing all things uh, crypto. So uh, he's a he's a branding, a marketing, and a cryptocurrency expert. Currently, he's uh, he's taking time out of his uh, South by Southwest vacation to be on the show. I'm so grateful to you, man. 
Uh, he's an Ooh. author. He's a part. You're there right now. You're at South by Southwest. Absolutely, I am, and I'm I'm excited to be on the show with you guys as well. Yeah, and uh, thank you. Awesome. Did you go see uh, AOC? I have not. I have not seen AOC yet. <laughs> well, if you see her, okay. Well, I thought I saw she was on stage. I'm just curious. If, if you see her, tell her uh, that she owes me ten bucks. Uh, back when tell her that Andra says hi. Yeah, I, I will no, definitely she, do that. Is that is yeah. that going to be a, is that a good high or is that a? She's probably just going to look at you for a long time and it's say the best. nothing. Uh, just look at you, just shake your head a little bit. <laughs> That's um, about exactly right. So uh, and and uh, so you're a podcaster, an author, and uh, you have a branding agency. And uh, why don't you give us a little bit of your uh, your elevator? Uh, uh, your your resume. Tell, tell us a little bit about yourself. your elevator resume. The elevator resume. Not us, but tell you the listeners. Yeah, the elevator Absolutely. resume. So, <laughs> what what we do at Bite Media Group is we work with founders and executives to really help build their profile through thought leadership. So, what I've found is a lot of emerging tech companies, a lot of emerging uh, tech founders and executives. You know, they're working on product. They've got great solutions, great ideas, but they're really just not out in the marketplace establishing their presence as a thought leader. And so you you often have much worse companies with worse solutions doing fantastic marketing and PR, and they're getting all the clients, they're getting the investment dollars, they're getting the traction, the attention. And so we we try and reverse that. Um, so that's what we do with Byte Media Group. And then I'm like like you guys mentioned, I'm authoring a book called What is Cryptocurrency? It's a simple guide to understand, get set up, and profit from Bitcoin, blockchain, Ethereum, and more. So that book is coming out in May. That's the target goal right now. That's awesome. I, I can tell you from experience that I've met some of these amazing, amazing marketers that do not fulfill on the back end of their offers. And I mean, they're not, some of them do, some of them don't, but um, I, I absolutely love your mission that you are going to to help the ones that actually do provide that legendary service and get their, uh, and get them or their marketing message out there. I like that. Yeah. That's, that's what we try so, and focus on. Right. And, you know, it, it, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just, I, was, yeah, I finished your thought. Cause I, I have a, a, another question about the, the book, but I, I, I'm, I'm interested in what you're saying here. Yeah, no, I was just going to say, it's it's all about getting in front of the right audience, right? And as long as you have a good core message and you've you've got a good alignment coming from your core purpose, and so this is something we can talk about in a little bit because I've written a number of articles on that. Um, as long as you've got that, we can get your message out to to the right audiences, to the right publications. You know, everything from the really big guys like the Next Web and uh, you know, even opportunities on Wall Street Journal and like Wired Magazine, all the way down to like really niche or niche, depending on where you're from, um, publications, uh, you know, <laughs> in the AI space or in the developer space or in the, you know, green tech space, whatever it might be. Right? So, uh, and this is something that, that uh, Justin and I talk about a lot, which is the idea of uh, turning yourself into a thought leader, especially if you're a, a business. One of the primary ways that you can be uh, on top of the marketing game for yourself is to be a uh, develop yourself as a as a thought leader. And and this type of marketing is uh, something that a lot of people I don't think touch. And I, I think that it's it's very very powerful. So uh, can can you give us a rundown a little bit on how you would approach somebody who, uh, let's say, is a business leader and they don't have anything 
really and no, no online presence. Maybe they have a LinkedIn page. How would you develop that person into a thought leader so they can, they can be a bit more self-promotional, especially if maybe they don't have the knack to do it? How, how would you handle something like that? The first thing that, that I always tell clients is you've got to clarify your why. So I don't know if, if the listeners have heard uh, of Simon Sinek. It's the number three TED Talk on the TED website. And we, we can talk about we can talk about that in want to do is obviously clarify your why. So that's your belief about the industry that you're in. Or, you know, where do you see things heading? Where do you, what do you believe the industry should look like? You gotta have that, you gotta have that down. And from there you start to build the rest of your message. You start to shape the rest of your um uh, your, your narrative. And so I call this actually the viz economy. So viz economy being your vision can create economic value, viz economy, when you share it accurately, when you share it correctly. And you can actually cut through attention. You can eliminate having to do every single form of social media. You can get rid of all these things if you really get down to the core of your message. And so, um, yeah, Simon Sinek has a great talk on how great leaders inspire. It's, uh, you, you might've seen the golden circle with the why, the how, the what, um, but yeah, this is, this is the first thing that, that you need to do. And, and what would be like the process of like, once somebody gets down to their core idea, uh, how would you then take that person and start developing that into a thought leadership kind of platform? So you have your core idea on where you're, where you believe the industry should be heading or what you believe the industry or the world should look like from your perspective. Then you start to talk about how you're executing this with your company or with your service or your product. You start to talk about how the trends in the marketplace should actually like how, how they're affected by the way you see things going. So for example, maybe you see a number of hacks in happening with Facebook, or you see a number of things happening with Google and you're saying, Hey, I believe security and privacy should look like this. And you start to pitch that, those articles, those concepts to the media, and they obviously start to pick it up. You start to write about it, you get featured articles. And now all of a sudden you've got dozens of articles out there over six months, seven months, four months, whatever it might be start to do speaking engagements, podcasts, the whole nine yards. And now all of a sudden you're a thought leader. I mean, it's more complicated than that, but like, that's essentially it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's, uh, it's, it's funny that you say this because, you know, Justin and I have both uh, talked about this very subject and the importance of, of doing this sort of thing. But, uh, you know, there aren't too many marketers out there who can help companies or people develop this particular thing. So you, you're, uh, y- your company is this is this kind of the specialty of your of your company, or do you uh, focus on other aspects of uh, the brand management as well? This is the specialty. So we actually started out as a boutique agency, doing you know I, I come from a digital marketing and actually publishing background. So I used to work with I used to work putting reports together for USA Today, uh, LA Times, San Francisco Chronicle. Uh, the Toronto Star in Canada, which is Canada's largest newspaper, the National Post, like, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then I got into digital media, um, marketing, uh, sales, that type of thing. 
And so we, we have experience with, you know, SEO, PPC campaigns, Facebook ads, blah, 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 blah. But really what the thing that we're really good at and the thing that I think a lot of founders and executives miss is really shaping that story. And so you get into all of this hype about when should you send your emails at 7 a.m. or 6 p.m.? And how, what's your <laughs> conversion rate on your Facebook campaigns? And really what we believe is for the, the larger level, you know, B2B uh, services and, and products, you're typically not selling them through a Facebook ad or a Google ad. You know, you're, you're typically, you, you've got to be a thought leader in the space. Like people turn to, maybe it's a bad example, but they turn to IBM for even blockchain solutions because they're always talking about it. And because you see IBM as a thought leader in the space, they're trustworthy. And that's who, you know, Bank of America will go to, to say, hey, we we're looking at a blockchain solution. We, we need some help. Okay. They're going to approach IBM. You know, you can, you can have that kind of benefit, but you've got to really build your thought leadership from again your your core vision and then I like where you're where you're going with this because we've talked on the show um, about authority building. We did a whole yeah. episode on authority building, and, and I cited the book uh, Influence by Robert Cialdini. Huge book, awesome. Book. And we we kind of highlighted we highlighted more of like the shortcuts to authority. We talked about you know getting you know forcing yourself into like a PR into a PR campaign, getting into like Forbes magazine, writing an article, or um, being featured on a stage or, you know, even these kind of shortcuts almost to, to build quick authority. Uh, but what you're talking about is really building the grassroots. You're like building the, the foundation of what really creates that authority and what creates that, um, that brand and that story and that message. So I really, I really like the way that you're uh, going about this because you're taking the, the long-term approach, which is, I mean, I, I often talk about how one of the biggest problems in marketing is that a lot of us are short-sighted mm -hmm. and, um, and I, I could tell by the way you're talking that you really take like a, a long-term focused approach. So, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think it's great. Yeah. I think, I think you can do, you, you, you can do short-term things like speaking engagements as well, but even in that case, who's more likely to get on a panel, the person who has no articles and they've never done a podcast and they're pitching an idea or the person who's been written about in Hacker Noon, Huffington Post and Forbes, and who's done a number of podcasts. It's like right away, you're like way more likely to go with the person who's got that credibility. And so again, that's what we help build. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's fantastic. And so, uh, you know, and, and, and I feel deeply that this is kind of the future of marketing, especially, I mean, you know, right now Facebook still has a place with, uh, with advertising, but I think it's waning. Mm -hmm. And I think that digital advertising as a whole is, you know, especially with ad blockers and, uh, that type of thing, it, it's not, it's really about content creation and positioning and, uh, you know, that, that is the thing. If you, if you as a, as a, a marketer or aspiring marketer are looking to really leverage yourself against other marketing agencies, offering this type of service is something that is, uh, uh, hands down a, a must. And because in this day and age, I think that traditional marketing is starting to, uh, it's starting to fade now. I pivoting just a little bit. I'm, I'm, I'm curious, uh, cause you, you, you're also into blockchain 
And uh, and I, I feel that that there's a space for these two things to start to come together. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about the book and why you wrote it? Sure. Uh, so I'm I'm pretty confident that most of your audience, if not everyone, has heard of Bitcoin. Um, if you haven't, just do a quick Google search, and you, I'm sure there will be a ton of articles that pop up. So here's oh we have we have the smartest the smartest audience uh on the uh, internets that's right so i know they've heard of it we've all heard of bitcoin but nobody knows what blockchain is <laughs> right exactly and, and so <laughs> um so i'll i'll give you i'll give you the 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 story from ground zero so i knew about blockchain and uh bitcoin specifically back in 2013 this is when when coins were trading for I don't know, a couple, couple hundred bucks. And I did not get into the market. I thought it was crazy. I thought my friends who were really interested in the Mt. Gox scandal, uh, which again, you can Google, it's in the book, by the way, uh, Mt. Gox, Silk Road. I had some people who were um, developing in the space like way back in the day, and they'd been in the space for a few years already. And they, had, they were always telling me, Cahill, even if you just put 10% of what you make into Bitcoin, I promise it's going to be a great investment. And I said to them, you guys are crazy. You're going to lose all your money. That's like magical internet money. <laughs> I've played video games before. It's never going to work out. Don't do it. Like you guys, when, when are you guys going to come work with me and build an app? And they were right. I was wrong. <laughs> um, so, so anyways, I didn't, I didn't invest at the time. And so you fast forward to the height of uh, Bitcoin a year ago. And Bitcoin's trading for 21, 22. I think it peaked at $23,000 per coin. Um, and at the time, I went over to my parents' place for, for dinner, and, and my mom said, Hey, should we take money out of X, Y, and Z investment and put it into Bitcoin? And I said, Mom, you know, absolutely not right now. And it's not because Bitcoin isn't going to work. It's just right now, it's not, not a good time to invest. And you really need to understand what cryptocurrency is all about so that you can feel empowered to actually make these decisions for yourself because no banks can tell you no financial investors really going to tell you you're going to have to figure out this cutting edge technology and I, I, I can like no don't do it right now so i thought you know there's probably millions of people who are in that type of scenario and i was getting messages on LinkedIn, like nonstop, like what's going to happen with Bitcoin? What's going to happen with Ethereum? And I, I just, you know, I stopped responding to messages. So I said, you know, maybe I'll just write a book about this because I'm working with some guys who are smarter than me in the space, you know, some of the top 100 blockchain companies, and they've really given me a lot of insight. So let me just put this into a book so that people can feel empowered and they can read it themselves and you can make your own decisions. So that's, that's my story about Let me, let me ask you, book. let me ask you a question. Because I, I've I've looked into blockchain quite a bit. I've read a couple books. I mean, that's as far as I've made it, and I, and I understand the basic concepts behind it. I, I like the analogy that it's like triple entry accounting. I think that mm -hmm. kind of gave me kind of a clear picture of kind of how it works on a very basic basic level. Um, but what drives the price of Bitcoin? Why? I mean, I know that there's only a limited number of coins that can exist, or a number only a limited number of times that the formula can process through. But I have no idea what was driving the price or, I mean, where the demand, you know, what, what was going on with the, uh, what, what was driving that that price up? Because I, I remember when it got to 23000 I was thinking, 
that there's no way I'm going to buy at that point because it's like, I'm just thinking in terms of stocks, like it's way mm -hmm. high. I don't buy high. I like to buy low. However, it dropped to like 15,000 and I started buying some and, and now it's what down to like 3,500. So yeah. <laughs> it didn't pan out too well. Uh, but I'm curious if you, if you have any input about like what was driving the price, what created that like crazy hype? Um, was it all just because the technology has such amazing potential? But even even so, like why why is it so valuable? Oh, lots of questions in there. There's there's yeah. no easy answer to define. Like if obviously if I knew if if anyone says, hey, here's what's driving the price, then now you can predict the market, right? That's true. So, so yeah. there's no easy answer to this. However, you, you can look at a number of things. Obviously, supply and demand. So how much is in circulation versus how much is not. That's one thing. Um, any kind of typical market forces also apply to cryptocurrency. So, for example, if you look at, well, what drives price with the S&P 500? Well, maybe it's market sentiment about, is there going to be a recession or not? People pull back on, on investing and now all of a sudden, you know, stocks start to trade sideways, aka they're not going up or down. Or people get really afraid because there's a new you know, presidential change and they're uncertain about the coming uh, you know, economic climate. So everyone sells out of their stocks positions. Now, all of a sudden, the market starts to tank. You know, like these, these types of things also apply to cryptocurrency. Um, plus, there's more complicated factors such as market manipulation, um, you know, behind the scenes things that don't that you won't really see in the regular stock market just simply because there's no regulation in the crypto market yet. Um, yet is, is a key term. It's, it's definitely coming, but, but there's no, there's no regulation there yet. So, yeah. you know, there's a number, there's a number of factors and it's, it's very hard to predict, but um, I, I would recommend checking the, out. Uh, go ahead. I, I was just wondering that, do you think that the, the bubble that, that happened in, uh, in November of last year, was that uh, artificially manipulated? Uh, there's speculation about it. Yes, absolutely. Um, do I think it was manipulated? You know, uh, y yes and no. I think that there's obviously, you know, when you have you have large, large players who liquidate cryptocurrency on a specific exchange, that will affect the price of Bitcoin or the price of Ethereum. You know, and so for example, you you get. Uh, Mount Gox trustees. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that, the Mount Gox. I, I am, but you want to give us the Cliff Notes version of what happened because it's very fast. Yeah, so so Cliff Notes version. Mount Gox was one of the first um, exchanges in the world to trade Bitcoin. Massive exchange at the time. Um, a guy named Mark Carples bought it um, for very low amounts of money, ran it up to the largest exchange in the world. And then Mysteriously, there was a quote unquote, I'm doing air quotes now, hack, and hundreds of millions of dollars of cryptocurrency was lost. And um, th they never recovered the Bitcoins. And so, well, they never recovered most of the Bitcoins. So some of the Bitcoins they did recover. So now, fast forward to 2018, um, there's a Mt. Gox trustee who has these Bitcoins and who says, hey, we need to pay back our creditors. So instead of selling the Bitcoins on the OTC market, so that's over the counter market, which means uh, behind the scenes off exchange, um, they sell it on an exchange, meaning they say, hey, we're going to sell 100,000 Bitcoin and we'll just take whatever price we can get for it. So obviously the price starts off at 23,000 
and you fulfill your orders. Then the next person says, well, I only want to sell when it hits 21,000. Okay, well, those orders get fulfilled. And you just keep on going down the chain until all of a sudden, Bitcoins are being sold for a thousand bucks. And now all of a sudden, you've tanked the market or you flooded the market with currency, right? So this is essentially one of the things that happened in and around that time. Interesting. There was also a lot of these uh, scam altcoins, like the the whole BitConnect scam and uh, some of these things that were like basically Ponzi schemes happening. Yeah. So, I mean, like you said, there was no regulation in the market, um, but there were people that were definitely abusing the crypto hype. A hundred percent. So that also probably had some impact on uh, on the crash that inevitably inevitably came or the at least the big dip we'll call it a big dip maybe not a crash yeah absolutely this this and by the way this is all explained in 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 the book like i i have this i have this section which i'm actually so i really love history and i love um like lore and stories you know i used to be really big into video games and you know fantasy novels and blah 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 so i've got this section uh called famous uh infamous famous and infamous people you should know and so it gets into all of the, these types of stories and it's all research backed. I'm like, I'm not making these things up, but literally this guy, Mark Carples did that. He's still in the marketplace, by the way, and is still worth tens of millions of dollars um, in Bitcoin. And again, there's no rules. So there's nothing really you can do about it. And so anyways, all this stuff is in the book, but um Interesting. So, so, um, so what, what does the, the uh, two, two questions here, what does the future of Bitcoin look like to you and, uh, how, how are, how can it be leveraged into like everyday society? Is Bitcoin even the, like going to be relevant? Um, and we'll get into blockchain in a little bit, but, uh, what, what do you think, what, what's your expert, uh, prediction? And- and what about Doge? And what about Doge? <laughs> Dogecoin. <laughs> the strongest of all the coins. <laughs> um, yeah, no, B- Bitcoin. And so this goes back to your question about value, right? So Bitcoin, I think, will be around for a long time to come. And I, I was talking with a, a founder from one of the top 100 blockchain companies. And he, he, said, it, he said it well, so I'm paraphrasing what he said here. He said, the longer something is in existence, the more likely it will stay in existence because of the resiliency resiliency factor. So when you think about a, a cryptocurrency like Bitcoin, it's already been around for 10 years. And the fact that it's been through so many market cycles, hypes, crashes, um, regulatory scares, hacks, scams, oh, you name it, it's still around. People still value it. And I think that that goes to show that it will continue to be that way in the future. And so will it have a place in our everyday world in terms of transaction transactions like money? Probably not, no. But will it has, have a place in terms of a store value for you know, an asset class? Probably yes. And I really think that that, 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 that is a, a very strong possibility. Nothing's 100%, but that's a very strong possibility. And... Um, yeah, I mean, then you can you can look at other coins and then like coins like Doge, which are are very fun. But um, you know, again, wasn't it started as cre- a joke? Basically, it did. It literally started out as a joke coin, and that's why it has the yeah. meme as its as its logo, the the dog, the doggy. Um, yeah, yeah. It's it's, but it, it goes back to what creates value. Well, this is a thing that you know we can get into a philosophical discussion about money. Well, what creates the value of a single U.S. dollar versus a Canadian dollar, Australian dollar, British pound, or you know, a, a Saudi dinar, 
Well, it really is based on a lot of factors, but one of the main factors is obviously the credit worthiness and trustworthiness of the country and the belief that the country will perform in the future. And so that that's what gives strength behind that currency. And so, you know, similar things I think can be applied to crypto. Um, so, cool. so this, this, this is a nice financial education for me. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, especially because, uh, I know your investments and the ones that you've made and, uh, Justin. So, uh, I think a good education is, well, I, I put like a hundred dollars into doge, but that was because I got get so much of it for so cheap. And it was so awesome. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so the, the, this leads me into the technology that runs uh, the cryptocurrencies, which is, which is of course uh, the blockchain. And um, uh, if if you don't uh, mind, Cahill, can you can you kind of give us the the brief version of of how blockchain works in relationship to these coins? Absolutely. So, I like to make the analogy, and I, I just I, I, the analogy is cryptocurrency is an application that runs on blockchain technology. So it's similar to saying Facebook is a company that runs on the internet. And on the internet, you can have many different types of companies. Well, on blockchain, you can have many different types of applications. So cryptocurrency is one. Now it's the first one. It's the most notable one, and you've seen it in the media the most. So that's why people often mistake cryptocurrency for blockchain. But I'm really glad you made the distinction. The two are completely, they're, they're separate. Like cryptocurrency, again, is an application that runs on blockchain. Okay, so what is blockchain? Really quickly, Cole's notes. Blockchain is simply a way to establish trust between two people or two parties, let's say company and company, without having a middleman. Okay, so take cryptocurrency. Why, did, why, why was this one of the, the first ones? Well, if I'm going to send you money, Typically, I don't know if if you are if if you're going to if you have a bank account or you don't know if I've already spent the money or you don't know if I even have the money. So we look to a bank to do those verification checks and balances for us, and we pay the bank a small fee. Well, blockchain can solve that through computer programming. Now that technology then can be applied to a ton of different things. Any any scenario where you have again two parties that don't fully trust each other, but they want to do some kind of transaction, you can put a computer program between them, uh, aka blockchain, and that can solve that trust issue. Does that clarify things? Yeah, it, it does. The way, the way that I, uh, uh, the analogy that I like to use, uh, so please correct me if I'm wrong, uh, is that if, if you are uh, going to, if I'm going to send money to uh, say Justin, because I owe him uh, 50 bucks, then uh, generally, I I will, man, it's, it's coming right up. Uh, Because I'm in the Netherlands, what I would have to do is I would have to go through PayPal and PayPal would get their cut. And so the way that we would do the transaction is I send it to one central database, which is PayPal. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then PayPal says, okay, I'm going to take this money and move it over to Justin and then at that point, they take their cut. They take their cut for the uh, uh, for whatever there is for the for the for the fees and and uh, uh, the rate of inflation and whatever. Um, and then uh, that is the, that is we just have to trust that PayPal will allow that transaction to go through. And part of the the way that that 
PayPal operates is that uh, their trust factor is very, very high. We trust that they're going to be above board with all of their bookkeeping. Uh, with blockchain, uh, it doesn't go through a central database. Uh, the transaction is verified through different people, and these people are, are known as miners. And the miners basically solve a mathematical equation to verify that this transaction is correct. And the, the benefit to this is with PayPal, I just have to take their word for it. Uh, or, you know, if you're with a bank like Wells Fargo, you have to take your word for it. And I bank with Wells Fargo, and I really won't take their word for anything. <laughs> Uh, I, I have a hard time trusting them on I, I any love, level. I love Wells Fargo. Oh, they're so great. But uh, but the, the nice <laughs> thing about the blockchain is that if somebody says, well, I didn't get my payment, you can go to an open ledger, which is the blockchain, and you can put in the transaction ID, and you can verify that the transaction has actually gone through. And uh, so it is both anonymous and completely open at the same time. Uh, but it also is a dangerous technology for banks because you don't need the banks at this point. You can, you can, you, I could send money. I could send that 50 bucks to Justin and, uh, I don't have to worry about going through like international banking or dealing with, uh, you know, any large transaction fees or anything like that. So it, 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 does that, does that kind of sum that up? Yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's pretty close. Yeah. I think that that's a great explanation. Um, you know, and, and just to, to add to it. You know, why, why are the banks, you, you trust the bank, not only just because you have to, but the bank is actually checking through your account, which sits on Wells Fargo. And they're saying, hey, does Justin actually have the 50 bucks in his account? Has he spent it before? And, you know, does, does, does Andrews have an account? Like, are, are, where are we sending this money? And so they're doing these checks and balances for you um, so that when you do send the money, you actually have it. Like they know you have it. Your other party, Andrews knows you've got it. And you know, there's, there's no mistakes. And so they're saying, Hey, in order for us to do that, we're going to charge you a lot of money for that. And we have no other alternative, but now all of a sudden you get blockchain, like you said, and that can jump into the mix and do those things for you. Um, but just a quick cor little correction. It's not completely anonymous. Um, you can actually find out pretty much a, like a lot of information about who's sending and receiving transactions. So this is one misconception that a lot of people have is they think, oh, well, criminals use it and you're never going to be able to find who I am. <laughs> and that's actually not true. Um, there's only... So Audros, your, your dark web transactions are not purely anonymous. Yeah, they're not. Oh, man. <laughs> so, yeah, good luck with I'm that. in trouble, guys. Um, there is one <laughs> cryptocurrency that 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 is pretty anonymous. Um, you know, there's actually a couple out there. I, I believe from the top of my head, I believe it's Zcash and Monero. Those are the two um, really anonymous ones. But uh, yeah, the rest, the rest of them like Bitcoin, Ethereum, like you can, I can see your wallet and you can kind of triangulate who people are from, well, not who people mm -hmm. are, but you can get a lot of information. So, so outside of, but outside of like cryptocurrency, and we're talking blockchain. I mean, there's so many uses for the blockchain technology that are totally not tied to currency. Right. For instance, I think like a great concept, and I, I mean, I, and I know that there's a company that's at least trying to do this, is is creating a way for doctors to be able to prescribe prescription medications through like virtual meetings and having it verified through the blockchain right. to get a prescription out to somebody. And I think like yeah, something so like that is like a that's that's a use that I could see actually 
becoming a reality in the near future. Yeah. And, 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 and actually one of the, the things that uh, I've thought about also, and, and I'm sure someone's got to be working on this, but voting, uh, if you, I mean, we, we basically have the technology now where, where uh, every single American citizen can get, say, a token that is their vote token, and they can, they can uh, use the biometrics on your phone to verify that that token is, is you. And uh, you can vote with that and you can track your vote all the way without having it go into a box that can be easily hacked. And we don't know who's counting the votes. Right? 100%. We can actually have safe and fair, uh, unhackable elections with this technology, too. But uh, no, I think it, paper voting is the way to go. Really? With, with the Diebold machines <laughs> <No>. <laughs> that, uh, yeah. that can be hacked. Hole punches. You hole punch but, machines. That's it. You just and, line them up and you just count the... <laughs> see, here, here's the crazy thing. Diebold makes voting machines, right? And they also make ATMs. And Diebold is, is notoriously like a very, very right-leaning uh, organization. Like all the people are like huge uh, voters of... All right, of, where's the conspiracy uh, music? Get it on. Well, this is a conspiracy. This is straight up fact. <laughs> Diebold, Diebold okay. makes Is Alex machines. Jones going to jump onto the podcast in a second? <laughs> I'll tell you. Let me tell you something. The, the aliens are they're ripping out my mind. Um, <laughs> but but, uh, but Diebold says that it would be too hard to give a paper receipt for your vote. And uh, uh, they, but yet, The globalists. The globalists want to take your bananas. <laughs> You're absolutely uh, right, and there are there are there are places that are already working on that. So again, when we when you look at blockchain, it's like any two parties that don't really trust each other and that have a middleman in between them. Typically, not always, but typically, blockchain can really help solve those problems. So voting, awesome example. You know, you've got voters who want to vote in a certain constituent. And there's a middleman, aka the voting booths or the organization that's counting and tallying the votes. Well, you can remove them and put it all on the blockchain or doctors and prescriptions. Okay, well, there's there's typically a middleman and like, you know, you want to transfer medical records from hospital to hospital or you move states or you move countries even. You can't get your medical records now all of a sudden. It's like, that's crazy. We're in a digital world. Why can't you get that? And, you know, again, we can put all this type of information in. And, and trust onto a blockchain. So uh, this gets me into kind of the place where I feel marketing and blockchain technology combine. And this is really the meat of what I wanted to talk to you about, uh, which is the, you know, the, 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 the Facebook problem. Um, you know, we're, we're going to be hitting the 2020 elections. We already know that uh, there are foreign uh, adversaries who want to disrupt our election through uh, digital means, using uh, social media and influencing and spread of fake news. Uh, how, how can we use the blockchain to verify uh, not only advertising, but how information is disseminated to the populace at large, especially people who might be easily influenced? How, how can we help solve that problem with this technology? I think there's a number of questions there. The first is the voting part of it. If there's a voting, if there was a voting solution that could be put into place, that's by far the, the, the first or one of the best starting points, right? Like you said, biometrics on your phone, you match that up with your driver's license, you match that up with your bank statement and 
that that's all the verification you need to say, Hey, I'm this person. I get to vote. Um, that, that's, that's one of the main ones in regards to your other question in terms of how can you use a blockchain to, you know, you know, verify advertising. I'm not exactly sure what, what you mean by that because Facebook is looking at blockchain. They've said a number of vague things in terms of, you know, they're looking into, yeah, looking into leveraging blockchain, looking into becoming a quote unquote air quotes again, privacy focused company. So it's really like, I, I can you clarify what, yeah, what, I, what you, what you I, I mean, so for instance, uh, uh, news sourcing, right? So one of the problems is that there'd be a lot of, uh, uh, in fact, my uh, uh, my ex was notorious for uh, coming to me and saying, oh, hey, I, I just found out that vaccines really do cause autism. And uh, there's a news story and it's from CBS. And so I'd have to look at that and then I like do a little bit of research and I would find out, no, actually, this is this is a fabricated story and it's being shared virally. Uh, so, so I'm talking about verification of like information to, to see its validity, for instance, to keep the spread of, uh, uh, false information. So you can verify where the source of the information is coming from. Let's say there, I've actually talked to a couple of companies uh, and this is on the, on the podcast that I, that I launched. We talked to a company is actually doing exactly that. And so they're crowdsourcing verification and then putting those news stories on the blockchain so that they can't be tampered with, et cetera, et cetera. But I actually don't think that Facebook is going to go down that path simply because it's not economically a good solution for that. You know, the, the reason why your ex came to you saying, hey, vaccines do cause autism is because they know that your ex wants to see that kind of information and they know that she's going to click on that. This, by the way, is part of the Viz economy, right? And this, and Cambridge Analytica was awesome at leveraging it, like awesome at it. Now they did it for nefarious purposes, but they were really good at it. They knew that, Hey, if you believed, you know, one, two, three, we could show you X, Y, Z, and you're like 80% likely going to click on that. So not only do we make money from it for advertisers, but now we can actually start to shape your actions in the real world by simply talking about the way in which you see the world. So you see the world that, well, if it's not super healthy, it probably causes disease. Okay, well, we'll show you uh, an article about vaccines that cause autism. And it may be fabricated, but you're more likely to click on that. So I, I don't think, again, Facebook is going to use this for good purposes to say, oh, hey, let's clean up advertising and verify news sources so that you get the accurate news that's out there. Yeah, it's, it's a good point because if, if it's making money, I mean, they are a publicly traded company, so profits. Yeah. I was, uh, I was just reading uh, yeah. the story in the New Yorker about uh, uh, Fox news and how, uh, it, it, you know, initially um, when, uh, when uh, individual number one was running for president, Rupert Murdoch uh, was kind of, talking against Donald Trump and uh, then eventually kind of sided with him uh, and started supporting him. And part of the reason why is because the, uh, the money was there. And, and the more that you create fear and distrust and, and, and emotion, the more that people are going to tune in and watch. And so it's really, it's just about the money. Uh, so yeah, I, I mean, as long as Facebook is making money from that engagement, 
uh, by serving advertising, then it's, you know, I think you're right. It's not going to change, uh, change any of its uh, methodology. So, well, let me ask you uh, this question. What, what do you foresee? I mean, with the, with the AI, with uh, bots, uh, you know, even uh, deep fakes, the way that reality is being shaped in such a way that it is almost impossible to judge what is real, Right. Uh, what, what is your prediction for like how things are going to shape both through our, you know, with Bitcoin, like what, what do you see the vision of the next five to 10 years being like in your mind? That's a big question. I know, but, uh, yeah, (laughs) and I think, I think obviously most predictions are typically wrong. Yeah. Um, so I think, I think when we look at this, right, what, again, it goes, I'm going to say again, it goes back to the economy, And I really think that this is going to be a massively emerging trend because of exactly what you said. You're going to start to see like media companies are under pressure, right? Mm-hmm. And right now you're, you're seeing the, the amalgamation of massive, massive companies, you know, trillion dollar companies, never before in history have we seen that kind of thing, right? So all of a sudden you're going to get served your own echo chamber of, hey, here's what we think you believe in because we know you'll click on the ads and we'll make money from it. We're not, we're not going to show you something that you might disagree with or something that's an alternative perspective to your viewpoint simply because you won't click on it and we won't make money from it. Even if you need to have a different, like you need to have that friend to say, hey, you know what? That actually isn't a good idea we're not going to show you that. And so I don't think we're going to see the advancement of companies doing that. I think where it comes from is, again, this vis economy thing where people who share their vision of the world will cut through that attention in a way that will find you and you will find it and you'll connect with that. And so I think we're going to see that is going to become more of a trend. Um, And then with blockchain and, you know, Blockchain and cryptocurrency. I mean, cryptocurrency. You'll you'll see things like Bitcoin will will probably still be around. There'll be a lot of deaths of cryptocurrencies, and then blockchain will start to be used as a technology behind the scenes for many, many, many things. We're already seeing banks look at it, supply chains look at it. Like you know, big companies like Walmart are looking at it. You'll see companies like Facebook looking at it, and again, it will just run behind the scenes as a more efficient way to share data, build trust in the network. And you're not even going to know that it's on the blockchain. That's, I think, what will eventually. Now, happen. speaking of uh, speaking of Facebook, uh, they announced that they are creating, or I don't know if they announced it, but the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal both reported that they have plans to create their own cryptocurrency at the end of the year called Facecoin, and it's supposed to be used on the WhatsApp network in order to do financial transactions over WhatsApp. So, have you have you read anything about this? I mean, this is a pretty new story. I think it rolled out like a day or two ago. Uh, maybe a week ago, but have you followed that story at all? With the, yeah, I have. I've seen that. Yeah, so it's kind of a uh, happening now. Yeah, it, it is, and it's it's like let's just be honest. Whether you agree with him or not, Mark Zuckerberg is like a genius. He is very, yeah. very, very smart. Extremely smart. You know, like you, you the, 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 again, regardless of whether you like him or not, would you use Facebook or not? You use Instagram or not, blah, blah, blah. He's a genius. And so this guy's been in blockchain, I guarantee for years he's been looking at it. And so if they say they're going to announce it, they've been working through a ton of details on how they can leverage leverage this 
like to the hilt. And to me, that is scary simply because they don't have a good track record of taking privacy first. They don't have a good track record of taking, you know, user data for like protecting user data. Like your data is their gold. And so you got to remember on the blockchain because of the way it works, right? So you've got blocks of information that are chained together. And the only way you can really alter the current block of information is to go backwards and change all blocks of information. Okay, so let's just pause there and think about it for a second. If you have a profile on Facebook and you've put, you know, all your college photos on there and you've put all your drinking photos and all your ex-girlfriends and ex-boyfriends and all the dumb dumb things you've done and now all of a sudden you fast forward 15 years and you want to delete your profile, you cannot do it because it's on the blockchain. It's over. Like you they have that data forever. And so they can build their, you know, dark or dark clone profiles of you. They can, they have that information forever. And it's like, I I don't think that that's a good thing. Um, And, you know, how does this Facebook coin play into it? I'm not 100% sure, but almost certainly once they start to start to implement that, there will be a massive uptick in, in terms of the users of cryptocurrency, which is fantastic. But at the same time, I'd be very weary of their their internal or behind the scenes use of yeah. that technology. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Because I mean, that's yeah. one thing is that it'll be harder to run for office, even even harder than it is now. I know, or direct a direct a movie. Right. It's like you can't delete your profile right now. Yeah. Like, yeah. Direct, direct a Marvel movie. We're gonna dig up 15 years ago. So this is. You said this on Facebook <laughs> exactly. 15 years ago. So uh, this, so this gets into um, uh, one thing that I'm I'm. I've been very interested in, which is, uh, you know, cause, cause with advertising, especially, um, and it kind of loops back into what you were talking about at the top of the conversation, which is one of the only ways that you could really prove the type of, uh, person that you are, the type of source that the information is coming from is, is to develop yourself as a, as a thought leader with integrity and honesty and, um, uh, have have your the information that is out there uh, not be filled with anything that can disrupt that that thought leadership. So is that is that kind of why you've started developing these types of methodologies for uh, businesses and individuals? Uh, because you feel that this is this is kind of like the the trust factor in being a thought leader is where it's all going. Not that all thought leaders are trustworthy, uh, but uh, it, it seems like this is kind of wrapped into the same thing. It, it absolutely is, and I think that you like marketers may have heard of the attention economy right it was really really popular a couple of years ago it's still it's still trending today it's like hey get as much attention as you can okay that's still relevant yes you still need to do that but i think what we're really starting to see and you know i've, I've written a couple of articles for this on like ceo world and real, real leaders and like a number of places we're we're starting to see that getting attention is not enough because so many people are doing it. You know, there's, there's tons of Instagram influencers, there's Twitter, there's YouTube, there's Twitch, there's, you know, podcasts, there's, you name it, articles, blog content, et cetera, et cetera. So getting attention is not really enough. You need to have some kind of why people should follow you. And that why is your vision of your industry or your world. And if you can, if you can really like, again, create 
thought leadership from that perspective, you can cut through the noise. You can cut through a lot of the, the, the people who are just trying to grab attention. And again, an example would be like Nike or Nike, however you want to say it. They're really great at that. And again, regardless of whether you believe um, in the Copernic taking a kneel or a standing kneel or kneel uh, in the NFL, regardless of whether you believe it was right or wrong, Nike has really said, we want to empower athletes and people who believe in what they want to believe and who are going to take the first step to accomplishing that mission. And so Copernic took the first step. You know, just like Serena Williams did with her cat suit at the what is it, French Tennis Open, um, and they said, "Hey, we're going to back these people." And again, they got a bunch of hate for it. But at the same time, there was more people who believed that they were taking the right stand, and that supported their stock hitting an all-time high, selling billions of dollars of, of merchandise, and you know, getting hundreds of thousands of new followers on social platforms, et cetera, et cetera. So I think again. This is where things are going. And for, for myself and for our, our team, you know, we, we really believe that. And so that's why we're focusing on this. And you know, just to be really clear, I've got a really great ability to get your insights and then simplify that into a, a number of stories. That's exactly what I did. That, that um, is a uh, superpower for sure. Uh, but, uh, but my question is this. Would you be able to take your ability – and turn maybe a sex robot into a thought leader on the blockchain it's on the blockchain <laughs> that's what i want to know yes it's time we, once again for the sex robot report uh, the consent coin yes. for sex robots the consent coin i i i think that's a great idea consent <laughs> coin we should we should do that uh Consent coin. Let's get that going, man. I think that people would buy that for sure. Um, mm-hmm. This is a, a, an article. I have an article here from thesun.co.uk. Uh, this is uh, it's it's not a huge story, but it's kind of interesting. The uh, the notorious sex robot Harmony, which is made by the uh, the the artificial intelligent sex robot company uh, Real Doll. Uh, their spinoff company is called Realbotics. Uh, they are now rolling out a uh, artificial intelligent sex robot that uh, has a Scottish accent. So uh, there you go. That's all I got. <laughs> Scottish yeah. accent. I like it. Why was that the first? Was that their first choice? Uh, I I don't know. You know, the thing is, is that is that I I of course it was. Who? What else would you pick? Of course you go Scottish. <laughs> I mean, if I want a sex robot, I better have a Scottish accent. That's, that's what I'm talking about. You know, I think you got a point there because, uh, you know, if I have 7,000 pounds that I want to plunk down on on, uh, on something, uh, it better have a Scottish accent. Um, uh, maybe, maybe, maybe Irish too, you know, maybe a mix of Scottish oh, and Irish. Oh, yeah, or... That's or, the way to do or, it. Uh, or a thick, uh, like, uh, I don't know, like, a, like maybe, I don't know. I, I, I don't want to say any accent because it'll make me sound racist and I, I or, or did you sexist? <laughs> That's why. I, yeah. Good luck. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta just stay away. Cause someone out there, one of our seven listeners is going to be like, Hey, you can't say that type of accent. That's that goes against something, you know? So, uh, I would just say, I just want an ethnic accent. How's that? I want, I want an ethnic. I accent. think that in itself is quite racist. There. Sue me. Why can't you just have <laughs> <laughs> against ethnic Americans? 
I don't know. I'm just trying to find a way. I'm trying to find a way to call you racist, man. I'm just what, what defines ethnic? Yeah. I, I you know, I, I uh, got, you know, we're not supposed to like Lucy K, but uh, I, I do, I, I do kind of agree with him where he says, you know, I'm, I'm just a, I'm a little bit racist, just a little bit. If I walk into a pizza parlor that's run by three black lesbians, I'll go, huh? Oh my God, my ears that's, are bleeding. That's it. I can't, I can't stand this offensive. So, I can't stand this offensive content, man. I know, Where's right? My safe zone. Where is my safe zone? I can't help it. I'm trying to like, I'm trying, I'm, I'm trying to teach my son not to ever do that. If he does that, I slap him in the <laughs> face and I go, "Stop with your racism. Be, be good." I do. PC that. babies, PC <laughs> babies. Do you watch South Park this year? <laughs> I haven't seen it, unfortunately. So, um, well, we're no, wrapping up here. It. So, uh, Cahill, tell me, tell me, is there uh, where can we find you? When's your book coming out? Give me the. Give me the rundown of like where what, where do we get it? Yeah, do, give me do give me book? your uh, website uh, if somebody wants to become a thought leader. How can they contact you for all this fine information and your brain talents? All this fine information you can connect with me on Twitter. So at Cahill Pule, and I'll actually spell that out because you're probably not going to guess it. It's C A H I L L, and then P is in Peter U I. L. So at Cahill Pule. And, um, you know, if you're interested in becoming a thought leader, let's have a chat. More than happy to share some ideas and, uh, you know, see, see what you, what you'd like to do. You can connect with us at Byte Media Group. So that's www.bytemediagroup.com. And the book is, is just the title. It's what is cryptocurrency? Io. So again, that's what is cryptocurrency.io. And you can download a sam- sample chapter there so you can take it for a quote unquote spin. And if you like it, awesome. You know, there's a, there'll be a pre-sale uh, discount that you can get. And if you don't want to buy it, that's absolutely fine too. The chapter's for free. So, you know, just sign up and get educated. Like take that awesome power back. Awesome. We'll put some links down in the yeah. uh, description of this particular podcast. Uh, Cahill, we, we, uh, we are, yeah, and I'll get you guys a copy oh, for sure. thank you, man. Yeah, awesome. that is, uh, that's very nice of you. Uh, Cahill Pule, and, uh, I, uh, really appreciate your time. Uh, would you be willing to come back on the show? Cause I, I feel like we barely scratched the surface with some of this stuff. Absolutely. Let's do it. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Well, enjoy South by Southwest and, uh, thank you so Yes, right. Yeah. So enjoy. For coming on the Who's show. Who's speaking tonight? Who's speaking tonight? There's a, there's a ton of speakers, but um, yeah, thank you very much, guys. I really appreciate it. Yeah, man. And uh, with that, we close out another fabulous episode. Uh, please tell 500 of your closest friends about the show uh, and uh, share it with everyone you know. And verify how awesome the show was on the blockchain. We want you all to verify how awesome the show was. And uh, we're going to have some other great guests coming up. Uh, if uh, Again, if you want to uh, find Cahill, you can definitely do that. Hit the links down below. Uh, download a copy of his, uh, of his chapters and uh, find out if uh, blockchain is right for you. Ask your doctor. Side effects may include rapid reduction of your uh, fiat money. Uh, income. And income. 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 Lambos. Rapid, rapid reduction of your wealth. <laughs> and of course your sanity as you're watching the market go up and down. And with that, ladies and gentlemen. Volatility, my friend. Volatility. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, 
And uh, with that, we close out another fabulous edition of That's right. our show.